the it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> But it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Oh, hi. Bop, bop, bop. Bowling branch, branch, branch. Bowling branch uses the best 100% organic cotton threads on earth for a superior softness and better night's sleep. Bolton Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth for a superior softness and a better night's sleep, which let's, I went to the grocery store recently. You guys all need a better night's sleep. These are sheets that are made with threads so luxurious that they feel buttery to the touch and are super breathable and they're perfect for every season. Maiden season. Bolin Branch signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes from twin up to California king. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code Whitney at bowlandbranch.com. Stop messing around when it comes to sheets. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H.com, promo code Whitney. This next guest needs no intro. She's one of my heroes. She's a legend. Her name is Margaret Cho, and we're going to talk about cats right away. I talk about this all the time. I want cats so bad, but I don't understand what they value. And they and I, like, find myself being so insecure around them. I'm like the dorky kid oh. in school trying to get the popular girl to like me. I'm just like, what do you, do you need to do? Like, I'm like, is my hair? Should I, should I? Like, I just get... And then you realize, like, the more you try with a cat, the more repellent your energy is. Like, they just... Oh, yeah, my cats make me starstruck. <laughs> That's exactly... It's like every time I'm around a cat, I feel like I'm bombing like, with a celebrity I admire. I'm like really starstruck by them. Like, cause it's I'm like, starstruck by your cats. They're so famous and like I love their work so much, but it's really like <laughs> I have to be cool. So I feel it's it's kind of like being like with Helen Mirren and um, Dame Judi Dench and um, Anthony Hopkins. That's who they are. They're, they're just like really... They're so amazing. My one cat, my boy, is a fuckboy because he'll only come to—he'll uh, ignore me all day, and then he'll come to my bed at, like, two in the morning and then get on my chest and then, like, knead my boobs, like, for six hours. So <laughs> Doing your mammogram. So yeah. He does the mammogram, and then he'll, like, sleep with—he uh, sleeps between my legs and on my boobs and then won't talk to me all day. Oh, but then oh. all night in between my legs on my boobs you all night. You are the night. side chick. It's so side chick, but it's he like, doesn't have up? any. He doesn't have any other. Um, won't be owners. seen with you in public. Yeah, won't be. By the way, yeah. So you think? <laughs> so I don't know. Who knows what happens when you leave? He's such a fuck boy. Like, and it's it's fine, but it's like really like I have to just accept it to be yes, the side chick. If you try harder, it's just going to get worse for I'm, you. It's just really sad. So I'm just like, in, I'm I'm fine with it, but he is so sweet. I'm also fascinated by cats because every time I go to, you know, I've had a lot of family members in hospitals and stuff and doctors even, they're like, yeah, we use cats to find out who has cancer. Yeah. Like in nursing homes and stuff like that. Like a yeah. cat will go in and they're like, oh, we should probably scan this person. Yeah. Like cats can smell cancer. Like what kind of alien... 
Yeah, they're just species. They're so incredible. I have spent a lot of time listening to you on podcasts talking about cats and dogs. So I try on this podcast to never ask the guests things that they've been asked too much on other podcasts. Okay. So I know this is going to break your heart, but I'm not going to ask you how you got into comedy, if that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling you've answered that. Oh, okay. Right? So we're going to go to like wild places. Yeah. Um, I just want to say really quick, you have been a hero of mine for in a big way and I'm definitely nervous and this is very surreal for me so thank you for doing this thank you I don't talk about sex on this podcast very much I don't know why because I think most people think that's like my thing Mm -hmm. but I wanted to talk to you about is it true that you were a dominatrix at one point in your life yeah I'm like not a good one though like I um (laughs) like can I whip you yeah (laughs) yeah I'm like I'm like so about like (laughs) asking permission but also I'm like kind of lazy and you know when you're a dominatrix you have to be able to get into their head and know how to push their boundaries and you know you got to be like a good one like it's it's worth all the money that people pay them. I have a friend that that does this as well. And she was like, I'm sure, to me, I'm always just fascinated by like human nature and when sex is sexual and when it's not. And, you know, what are sort of needs behind closed doors mean about us? And I feel like lately I've been dealing with a little bit of shame with wanting very aggressive, a very aggressive man. And there is this shame of like, oh, I'm like not a good woman if I want to be choked or I'm not a good woman if I want a man to like boss me around or whatever. But I think there's just something interesting going on right now where a lot of women I know are like, is it okay to like have these fantasies where I'm getting choked and what, you know, it's just like, and I'm just curious, like what you've learned about like human nature and what invisible wounds yield what kind of sexual needs, you know? Well, I think what it is is that when you're really good at work and you're really good at life, you want somebody to be able to come in and um, uh, be able to override that sexually. So when you're submissive sexually, generally what it means is that you're powerful in your daily life. Mm. So that's why most CEOs want to get peed on. That's why Trump wants to get peed on all the time. Not that he's good at anything, (laughs) but— He, get peed on. <laughs> he wants to get peed on. He has, like, talked a lot about it. Like, he's very into getting peed on. Where on, like, where? Like, on the, like, where do people? I mean, I th- I would think that he wants to get peed on his face. That seems to be what I've got garnered from all the years of hearing about him wanting to get peed on. But um, that's why, like, like, people who are powerful generally want to be dominated. And uh, I, I mean, it's just as true for women as, as it is for men. I think even more so with women because there's so fewer women who are very powerful in their lives. It's so, so weird so, to think of like all the CEOs and people we look up to just getting peed on. <laughs> they all want to like, get peed on. Like lean in to get peed on. They all uh, want to get um, they're trampled like, on. They all want to be stepped on. They're step on their head, step on their face. My friend that does this... Um, uh, uh, they, what she does is she has to find him in like at work, like in the lobby, like push him into the bathroom and like humiliate him. Like he wants mm-hmm. to be like humiliated. Yeah. Like you're a piece of shit. Like you're disgusting. You have a small dick. It's like yeah. that kind of stuff. And I'm like, is that a, is that a primary caretaker thing? Is that a mommy thing? Is that a. No, it, what it is, is that it's eroticizing the, um, 
imposter syndrome that they have. So in in general, also people who are very successful in their work and in their life have a measure of imposter syndrome. So to kind of metabolize that, they want to eroticize it. So that's part of it. Um, When you eroticize um, something, then it gives you a kind of ownership over it mentally. And so that's kind of the the uh what the sort of skeletal nature of what that is and then there's all the other stuff on top of it whether that's mommy issues whether that's um, a kind of an upbringing thing whether that's just something that you saw when you were in your formative years sexually that made you really like take notice right in general that's kind of what is erotic and what is um going to be perceived that way for the rest of their lives, you know, for your rest of your sexual life. Also, as she's saying all this, yes, she is holding a bull dick. It is and I'm big. holding, I'm gesturing like it's a, <laughs> a pointer. You should do doggy dominatrix. Dogonatrix. Dogonatrix. There is a human dog okay. park in... Um, I'm sorry? San Francisco. Of course there is. There's like where you can go with your puppy or your... Uh, I think you bring human cats, too. There's a lot of human cats and human dogs, or human kittens, human dogs, which is not like furries. It's like, because furries is a whole nother um, arena of more identity, so you have more stuff to wear. Right, right, right. But and you can you, conceal your face kind of thing? Yeah, they have a lot of, um, they have a lot of, like, uh, things that, where they, they create their characters so it's not so straightforward like an animal from the wild it can be a mythological yeah mythological creature or a creature that they sort of like made a hybrid like a mashup of different kinds of anime animals or animation characters you know what i didn't know is that i mean i learned it very quickly when i did a like a segment for like a tonight show or something um the renaissance fair Mm-hmm. At night, it's mm-hmm. a total fuck fest. Yeah. They like do Molly and yeah. as pirates fuck yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. With the turkey leg. <laughs> yeah. It's hugely, um, it, it's connected to uh, sort of BDSM communities. It's connected to any kind of LARPing communities or cosplay too. There, there's a sort right. of a link, um, same kind of DNA there. But yeah, totally. Obsessed. And then I also have to say this out loud. The peeing on the face is making me think my vagina is weird because I, if I want to pee on someone's face, it, my pee goes all over the, it doesn't go yeah, straight. Yeah, mine goes, okay. mine sprays, and then I always fart. When you pee? Yeah, like. I fart usually, yeah. If I'm, pre- like, usually if I have to pee on somebody, I'm pressing down because I, like, don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm, like, pushing down really hard. Also, I don't drink enough water, so I'm, like, pushing down really hard, and I'm dehydrated, and then I fart, and it's, like, uh, such a bummer. That is such a bummer. But I, I don't like I don't like pee play. I only like pee play if pee play if it's in the shower. So I the one time I uh, this guy that I um, was dating we had the most fun sex because we made jokes like I had never been in a relationship where sexually you could like laugh and if you queefed you would just start laughing instead Mm -hmm. of being embarrassed it was like an older guy Mm -hmm. and you know he had been married he had had a kid so he had seen his ex-wife had a fist like he'd seen women's bodies and Mm -hmm. nothing was gross to him and that's like a really fun person to be with where you never have to feel embarrassed or whatever Mm -hmm. but he would um, uh, uh, like one time I told him um, we were like laughing one day uh and I was like, okay, one day in bed, I want you to call me a pig, but don't tell, like, don't tell me when, just like surprise me. And like, we were like kind of drinking that night. Like six months later, 
were like having sex doggy style. And he was like, take it, you pig. And oh. we laughed for like four hours. Like so we, funny. we were dying. Like we had like a very funny sex life. Mm-hmm. And then one time we were like kind of tipsy when we were in the in, in the shower. And I was like, he'd always talked about, we were like, he's like, I'm going to pee on you at some point. And I was like, not in my house, not in my, it just, it's a lot of prep. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, you have to put down a tarp. You have to go to Home Depot. It's like a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's yeah. like, well, I don't want to squirt. Like I'm sure it's mm-hmm. lovely, but I don't, I, I like the cleanup just seems like mm-hmm. a lot. And, um, and then, uh, so he he peed on me in the shower. I was like, we're doing the shower. And mm-hmm. he like peed like on my face in the shower. And I couldn't, I was just like, la- I couldn't do it. I couldn't be serious. Like it was just too funny. It's so fun. I can't I, keep it's a straight funny. Face. And it's like a childish sort of like. Guys all pee on you in the shower thing. always. Yeah. It's so silly. And like, it's just, um, it's something they're very, very sort of natural about it. Like yeah. it's just like, it's a ridiculous thing. It's Sex so funny. is so ridiculous. Like, I feel like the older I get, the more I'm like, this is so ridiculous. Like, why have you ever felt insecure about this? Why, like, yeah. I think it's weird, though, too, like, um, when you're uh, a female comic, too, because if you have sex with men, men have such an idea of, like, women in comedy, and, like, yeah. they're so afraid of us, too. So there's something weird about it. Like, they feel like they can't, Relax. Well, that's interesting because a lot of guys think like, are you going to make fun of me? Are you going to say this in my act? Like, that's the biggest red flag to me if a guy's like, are you going to put this in your act? it's weird. Bye. And then, you know, it's like if they're going to say that, then you want to. Well, then I want to be like, do something funny or interesting or mildly entertaining. (laughs) Like, it's like when someone comes up to you or, or like a family member tells you the most boring story for 20 minutes and is like, you can have that. <laughs> You're like, thanks. Yeah. I'm gonna, uh, you know what? I'm going to use your boring ass DMV story as my closer. Thank you so much for that so jewel. Um, um, that's fascinating to me. Curious if this is an ongoing conversation on the podcast about do you have any inkling of what a foot fetish, like what the genesis is? I think there's a couple going theories. One is that it looks like little dicks, right? Um, that's the Freud oh, one. Uh-huh. Even though Freud seems like he's everything's been debunked that he's postulated. And then um, the other is called cathexis, at least the other one that I know, where when babies crawl towards their moms mm-hmm. and a lot of moms, like if they're like barefoot and they crawl and their genitals are rubbing against the carpet and they're looking at their mom's feet, they associate pleasure with feet, and that becomes like a fetish. Yeah, I, I think it has something to do with um, just like the the feet are the sort of entry point to the vagina. So it's like if you split the feet, then they're like the vagina's right there. So if the vagina is too unapproachable, like a vagina is so threatening, they'll start with the feet. And then move their way up, but then they get stuck on feet. I think it's it's, it's like a dry vagina too. Maybe you're just into dry vaginas. Maybe or you're just they afraid. Fuck this, the middle. That's what they fuck, right? Yeah. If your feet are together. Or, yeah, they want to do like a foot job where you have your feet like in a prayer position. So if you can put you do your like butterfly oh. and then you can do up like that. But that actually gives me a Charlie horse. I was gonna say that mm. I'm, I'm stuck. I actually it really can't. hurts. Actually it can't move. That's why I have so much sciatic nerve damage. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. That, but it's a very. Um, it's probably good for your core. Yeah, to get your feet in that position. Not your spirit, but your core. <laughs> it's um, a foot job. Is usually they just want to like lick your feet or do like foot worship, which is that's fine. I just um, I'm not aroused by foot anything. I'm mm-hmm. actually quite ticklish. Me too. Yeah. What's the last thing that surprised you, astonished you, left you aghast? Um, oh, gosh. 
What is? I know. What's mine? What is surprising? I mean, the Will Smith thing. I, that, that that was, was shocking. That it's. I was like, oh my god! Like I was yelling to the sky. I was like walking around like. Huh? Like I was uh, speechless. I was aghast. Yeah, I was that. That was seeing the Chappelle video too. That was shocking. Yeah, yeah. But then after, but after seeing the um, Will Smith thing, that that was more shocking, just because it was just after that, it was from like it seemed like anything was possible. Yeah, that was really shocking because it was live television, and then he won, and then he was crying, and then it was like really like it. and I, I did a movie with Will Smith, and um, I blew my take more than I've ever blown a take because I don't know what was going on, but they were doing uh, my coverage, and he still had to be in every single one. Cause, and I He blew, wanted to do his off-camera coverage? Or yeah. He, uh, well, it was, um, yeah, he, had, he just did. He just wow. does his off-camera co- coverage, and I wish that he didn't because I blew that take. You know, Eddie Murphy has something that 50, looks exactly like times. him do it. So does oh. Bruce Willis. Yeah, usually— Usually, usually they're, if you're like working with a big star like that, they'll have somebody. Or it's just like their, a tennis ball on a stick. Yeah, which is fine for me. But I, I blew my take so many, and he didn't slap me one time. Not even I could, I should have gotten slapped for as many times I blew that take. It was so bad. It was so bad. Were you nervous, or are you just? No, um, it was a speech, and I had not got. They had it was one of those things where they didn't send out the script, and they just never sent it to me. <laughs> And I just never looked to see if they, he should have just held the lines for you. It was like you really. Been like, can you just staple these lines to your chest? It, it was a really long script. I mean, it's never to cut back to him. It was Why did like they just- a monologue? It's like so hard to say. It was like all these long words. That I didn't know what they meant. It was so funny because I just like didn't know. And uh, he never. He he was not mad. I would have been so mad. But I was. But he was cool about it. He was fine. I. I mean, to me, that in that experience, it seemed like he was the most patient person mm. ever. Before he snapped, yeah. And it was a it was a stressful day too because uh, Trump had just won, and Hillary had given her concession speech, and then Jesus. we went on to set. What was this movie? It's called Bright. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, it's um, I did a really little part in it, but it was like such a weird thing where like I never got the script, and I don't know what happened. I don't know why I didn't get it. And I just flubbed so many lines, and I just couldn't say all the things. And he was so patient. So it's the worst. It was so bad. That's the, probably the last time I was actually embarrassed about something. Oh, interesting. And I don't really get embarrassed. Me, that is really interesting. I mean, especially like the, just go away. Just I, I'm also big on going like, hey, can you not look? At, can you just can someone else, like I'm finally at a place where I can, and June Rayfield taught me this, of like being able to claim your space and knowing what you need to Mm -hmm. thrive. If I can identify, like this kind of just happened for the first time when I was shooting something where I was going, oh, hey, is there any way I could have this person like on this side of the camera? Like I I didn't ever want to come off like a bitch or like Mm -hmm. I was, you know, couldn't do anything. But to be able to go like, oh, hey, this is distracting me. I don't have to feel bad about it. I, I Everyone wants me to do my best work, mm-hmm. so I'm going to risk just being a bitch and saying, do you mind if you just, like, can I put the lines on this computer? Like, I know them, or I've, I've studied them, but I'm just telling you, I'm going to, can I just put them here? Like, mm-hmm. just being able to ask for that. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's, really it's taken important. me so long to be able yeah. to do that. It's hard. It's really hard. Because then once you've, once I've fucked something up twice, it's, o- it's over. Like, I'm in a loop 
And then I keep fucking it up. Yeah, I have to, it has to be perfect, like, or else I'm just going to f- keep fucking it up. Yeah, and it's like the perfectionism leads to mm-hmm. procrastination, leads to paralysis. I get paralyzed. Yeah. And I'm in a, sh- so I'm like, we need to just take five minutes. I need to just like go listen to music and like come back. Mm-hmm. And Will Smith can't be here. <laughs> <laughs> I really would rather just read with the like grip, please. It's so, uh, yeah, it's so hard. To, but I, yeah, that was the last time I was shocked was when he slapped Chris and then I, but I was like this is a joke like I didn't believe it at first like this is this is some kind of a there was something about it that mm-hmm. seemed so well because it was the way that he to me it was he had so many opportunities to change his mind mm-hmm. he had so many opportunities I mean it was like 12 steps one two on the third or fourth step he could have been like you know what I'm gonna turn this into a noogie or I'm going to turn this into a fake punch. Like, he could have been like, yeah, he's like a great actor. He could have acted like he was, you know, he could have course corrected. And that's the moment. Also, I was like, oh, this is the value program. Like, every year you're in program, you get another second to pause. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea that you can, like, at any moment or soon within having a reactionary, uh, uh, self-sabotaging, negative investment in your future self moment, mm-hmm. you can make a choice. To, you know, yeah. At any moment, you can hang up the phone or stop texting or mm-hmm. leave the mm-hmm. situation. But it was like 12. It was so much time. Yeah, yeah. And it was also such a, bro- like, I mean, it doesn't get me in trouble, but um, I, everyone's always like, what would you have done if Chris Rock, if you were Chris Rock in that situation? I'm always like, if he put, hit me like that on stage, I'd be like, oh, well, Will, this is not how I thought you were going to come out as gay. But here we are. <laughs> <laughs> it was just such a like Broadway like slap. It was very easy to uh, Photoshop it in, into like Mommy Dearest. Like it was such yes, a very. So theatrical. It was so theatrical. It was so very. But it, it was really. Um, I, it just looked like a sketch to me so much that I couldn't believe that it, there wasn't a sketch, that it was really strange. It was, it was, yeah, t- it was just too surreal to believe. It was like a big setup. I'm like, this is a setup to something. This is yeah. a setup to something. I think also the look on Chris's face was so heartbreaking because he didn't anticipate and like he, he yeah. this guy's storming up to him and he's like, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah. wouldn't have occurred to him in a million years. Yeah. Yeah. So Whereas maybe if it was a white guy, I'd be like, what are you doing, dude? Like, he was yeah. like, hey, man, what are you? Like, it was just so devastating in that moment that that if it was a sketch or something, I'm like, he would be like, You're, like, there'd have to be some kind of concept of like knowing this was coming. And he's yeah. just like, even up to the last second. Yeah. Would never occur to him that something that wild would happen. It was so shocking. And I think that's probably, yeah, the, the last time I was really, really shocked. But then the, the Chappelle thing that happened after to me was like, really like, well, this is. It, it, it was almost like it was. It deadened the effect. Yeah. Because now you're like, oh, well, anything could happen. Well, it's interesting also because the thing that I hear a lot, um, especially from, like, people not in, you know, this business that are just like, how come, why didn't they kick him out right away? Like, why didn't they kick? And it's like, you know, I think people forget, like, I'm making a generalization, but this business is a bunch of, like, insecure, traumatized people that just mm-hmm. want to be liked. And, mm-hmm. and we tend to minimize or forget about the freeze response. I mean, imagine someone in that room being like, kick him out. Like there's, it's a room full of people who's like artists, like inner child running the show, Mm -hmm. are all people that left their town because they wanted to be loved by strangers, Mm -hmm. you know, that who knows what went on in their childhood to make them have that bottomless pit of need for love in a situation where two authority figures were fighting 
you know, and it's like mommy and daddy are fighting in that freeze response, you know, yeah. to see everyone in that freeze response. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, this is why Har- Harvey Weinstein happened. This is yeah. why Kevin Spacey, like, like, this is not a group of people, you know, who are why in general are wired to stand up to an authority figure. Right. Right. And we don't know how. I mean, and, and it's just too fast to process. Like it was too, and it was all televised in the same thing. It's just too, it was really traumatic, I think, for a lot of people. And I think it was also just like a great lesson to go like, this is how horrible things persist, you know, is that when the people freeze. I mean, mm-hmm. just watching the way that no one really could do anything. Yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, it's like, it's like it was a scary side of human nature to see. Yeah, people go really into was. paralysis. Yeah. just like I, I, like I would have disassociated. Yeah, and like to me, it's like when you become an artist. I'm not saying everyone has some kind of trauma or everyone has had to no. disassociate in some way. I don't think we sign up to become other people because we love hanging <laughs> out in our own heads. But like that is very much a form of disassociation for me. So just watching mm-hmm. everyone just like disassociate, and it's like you know, be whatever, like whatever their trauma was. See, just seeing that happen was just like really wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I also, um, I'm jumping around, I know, but I've been, you know, studying you for years, being a fan of yours for years, but I recently was so blown away by a conversation and humbled and made je- and jealous of uh, and learned from you. I was listening to you on, maybe it was Ben Fold's podcast, mm. um, which was awesome. And, um, you were talking about TikTok and you were just like, yeah, it's a great way to like have like a quick premise or something that's 30. And I was like, how are you not furious about like, er- like every comedian I hear is like, fuck TikTok, fuck this new, fu-. like everyone's so resistant to change because we've spent so long trying to master a certain format or a certain oh, amount of time. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're able to do an hour and now I have to do 30 minutes, 20 minutes. I have to compete with these kids dancing. Like you have this um, openness for change and this, mm-hmm. this, um, not surrender, but like this sort of like, oh yeah, comedy's going this direction now. And yeah. I'm gonna do, and it's like you don't get defensive. And I mean, you're a legend and you've been doing this so long, obviously, but I I there are so many people that are like, fuck this, that's not comedy. And I was like, that's how we should be. We should be like, go ride the horse in the direction it's going. I think so. I mean, I don't know. I watched your TikTok. Um, wait, was Esther Monster? It was so cute. <laughs> oh, God. And she's like, it's you're you're doing all the your hot girl stuff. And it was so funny. And it was the perfect way to approach that kind of like thing of like just I think that it's really, um, it's just doing fun things. Like TikTok to me is really fun because it's just like, we don't know what it is, but it's really engaging. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's just like such a momentary look into somebody's life. And so there's, there's all sorts of different sort of ideas about how you go viral. I mean, I'm not interested in that. I just like want to participate in the culture of it. Yeah. And I just like, for me, I was like, like, you know, and I think that I, you know, get very resentful and it's my ego and it's not emotionally sober when I go like, no, like I can do an hour. Like that's comedy. Like, and then I'm sort of, cause I'm, too, I'm in the core of it is I'm afraid of being embarrassed. Mm. You know, I'm mm-hmm. afraid of being bad at something. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of looking stupid, mm-hmm. you know, which is um, the main thing about me and TikTok right now. And I had someone like, I had some like help me. Like, I, and I'm like, I don't need someone. I know how to do this. Like I just have yeah. to, trust my gut and go like, what am I good at? I don't have to do, I don't have to do lazy cheerleading. I don't have to do dancing. I don't have to do what everyone else is doing. Just do what I think is funny for 30 seconds or a minute or whatever. And I don't have to compete with anyone, but it's been really watching you be that sort of fluid about it. Like, like, I mean, I guess like you've seen like how social media and the internet have like helped comedy. Whereas I'm always like, ugh. 
anyone can get famous now on TikTok. <laughs> and I work so hard and this person just did a dance and they're selling out the Chicago theater. Like I like mm-hmm. my ego like gets involved, which is just yeah. so self-defeating. No, I mean, it's it's um, I understand it's it's hard, though, because people are like going to watch you because they love you and they want to see you talk about why you don't use a vibrator, which to me, that's the, the most self-defeating part. You don't use a vibrator. That's what I found out on TikTok about you. That is so funny. (laughs) Emily got sent three vibrators and we like screamed and ran away from them. (laughs) I would love to. I'm just, I truly am not taking on a new charging port. I'm not taking on a new thing. Like I actually tried after we had Chelsea Lynn on the podcast because she's the queen of vibrators. We're showing them. And I was like, I'm going to use this somewhat. I couldn't find the charger. And I was like, I'm done. If I never have an orgasm again, I'm not putting... It will dry up my pussy to charge it and plug it in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I will. I'm gonna try. I have one that you can ride like a horse. That you actually um, a lot of a lot of what horse girls. <laughs> what happens with horse girls? This was not the case for me. Mm-hmm. But a lot of girls, in, when they're you know. 13, 14, 15, and they're riding horses, they have orgasms from riding horses. Yeah. Or they break their hymen on, you know. Yeah. So that's a big sort of horse girl. If a girl is like doing two extra jumps and won't get off the horse, you know oh, what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, but this is a good one because like it's like a Sibian type thing? It's a Sibian, and there's no, it's not a charging. You have to actually plug it in. It's not a Sibian, it's some small. Like an old school, like one of those horses outside of a like grocery store. <laughs> 25 cents. <laughs> you put it in a diamond. Yeah. No, it's um I think it's called the motor bunny. And then you it's a small, it's like a Sibian. It's the same sensation mm-hmm. as Sibian, but it's smaller. The motor bunny. Mm-hmm. I just, you know what it is? I think I for the longest time, sex toys were like the the people I dated would do whatever. What like I always never wanted to emasculate anyone or embarrass anyone by having mm-hmm. one, and mm-hmm. now I'm over that shit. So mm-hmm. now's the perfect time. The ones I see though, sometimes I don't even know how they. That one that's mm-hmm. like the double claw. Oh yeah, I I thought it went in your butt and vagina, but it goes in your vagina and then on top. Like I just need. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's like that. Or you can use. There's ones that are like you can use it when you're having vaginal sex with with somebody else. Yeah. So. And then there's the the I I I like sort of the um the fieldo which I don't know if they are around anymore but they're like a double ended dildo but they have um vibration capability on both sides. I'm gonna say something crazy. I'm just gonna go for it. Emily, close your ears. Pat, close your ears. Call HR. Uh, a person in my life in the last couple of years that I'm sleeping with is uh, very into uh, tush plugs, mm-hmm. and I'm super game. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm good. not eating your ass. Because I break out on my chin, <laughs> so I'm not eating. Well, what ass. is it? Is it because of the the hair? It's just like it gets swampy. I mean, eating it, I just, like I just don't. Your spit has so much bacteria, bubbles. Yeah. Stuff, so I don't. I can't. I have mm-hmm. so much from wearing the mask. I already have so much fucking <laughs> acne on my chin. I can't. I can't have any more cystic zits. Um, <laughs> that's my main. Yeah. Okay. Eat your own ass. Finger your own ass. Whatever you need to yeah. do. Suction it. Put a whatever. Yeah. But um, it, I just I it not. Now, mm-hmm. maybe later mm-hmm. when, you know, we're in the bunker or during the apocalypse and we've run yeah. out of shit to do. But like, um, but butt plugs, I'm, they actually, I thought they were more for the guy. No, no, no. They're great. Great. Yeah, they're and, really. Um, and they make me feel like I don't have a giant pussy. Well, they tighten your vagina from the inside. Yeah. Also, they are, act as a second, almost a second G-spot. If you If you can. <laughs> Sort of like imagine that there's a there's an anal spot and they can't have sex with your butt because something's in there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's like, nice I, to just know, like, I had ravioli. Like, it just, it, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 to me, I was like, this just plugs possible poop. <laughs> yeah. And makes it so I know, like, that's not happening tonight. But it's, um, there's something about uh, when you can have an orgasm and press on something anally that is very, um, it, it is like, it, it's almost like jumping off point to another orgasm. It's like so intense. Yeah. And I had never experienced that before yeah. because I, I, yeah, it's, it's kind of mind blowing if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. The plugs um, are good. Plugs are, I think, I think they're underrated. I think so too. I think it's like, yeah, there's this, I love talking to you because there's just the way that you talk about things with just an absence of taboo. And I hope, um, uh, tell me if I'm, I'm going too far off. Uh, you know, you've inspired me to talk about my sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if, what you know, first I was just like writing about it because I was trying so hard to be of service and like mm -hmm. share it with people because, you know, as you say, like the silent, our silence is what keeps them free. Yeah. And, you know, and so I was like, and when I heard about other people's stuff, I was like, oh, it's not just me. It's not just my fault. That's not just my secret. And I'm not just like bad and gross and just mm -hmm. this like um, piece of garbage that someone knew they could do this to me and no one would ever find out or care because mm -hmm. I'm so that useless or whatever. And um, and I'm curious if there was a little bit of a, a amount of a, a, a period where you were torn about that. It was a challenge. Like whenever, you know, like I would try to talk about it in my comedy, people would, the audience would really freeze up. Yep. And it was really hard to get past that. And it was like trying to figure out how do I crack the code of actually trying to make people sort of free enough to understand this is going to a place of like, it's actually going to be good to talk and about. And I'm okay. And this I'm okay. This is actually how I'm going to heal. Yeah. Don't worry about me. This and is it's, yeah, it's better to just talk about it. But it's also such a common experience that's happened to so many people that it's like, then you realize how much we have to talk about it. Yeah. You know, and um, the healing there is really predicated on how um, much we can be open about it and share that, I think. I think it's like that uh, slumber party game, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if everybody's yeah. trying to lift the burden, yeah. it becomes very light. Yeah. So, um, but it's hard. People get really freaked out, you know. Well, they're I, like, don't make me face, don't make me think about what I've been through. Don't yeah. make me think about you being in pain. Like, yeah. I, it's like a little bit of, uh, you know, um, it's not confrontational, but it is interesting when you're like, this didn't happen to you. It happened to me. Why are you uncomfortable? People are scared because they also, when they're coming to see us, they need us to be powerful. Like we need like our female comics to win all the mm. time. And they don't want to see us be anything less than heroic. But we can't be, we have to be humble about it. We can't be <laughs> brag and we can't be proud of ourselves and we can't think we're good, but well, we still have to win. We still have to win, but we have to win. We have to get first place in the it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> but it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. I don't deserve that. You can have it. <laughs> Hello. Uh, hey, girl. Um, I need to talk to you guys about health. Yeah. Look at this. If you're not watching, this is, these are all the pills that I am now taking. Doesn't even seem weird to me. Mm. My only issue between all these pills is that I am balding. <laughs> and I do think it needs to be addressed because <laughs> I have started spraying like root hairspray around 
where you can just sort of see my scalp. Mm -hmm. Just the problem is that the spray brown stuff, sometimes it does trickle down and I look like I'm in blackface. And the point is that 30 million women- we're trying not to do that anymore. (laughs) No, that's not funny anymore. (laughs) 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, you know that you are not alone and there's a solution that you can trust to deliver results. Now, Nutrafol, this is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth thickness, and visible scalp coverage. The only downside is that my pubes might grow back, which is a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Nutrafol supports, health. you can't have any of your hair is too healthy. No, um, I'm going to take one of those. <laughs> Nutrafol supplements healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning hair. Emily Noonan, <laughs> Grace <laughs> Weiss. <laughs> AKA stress hormones. <laughs> environment, nutrition, and metabolism through whole body health. Nutrafol has three unique formulas to support women throughout all stages of life, including postpartum and menopause. Each formula is physician formulated using uh, natural, drug-free, medical-grade ingredients, excuse me, in consistently effective dosages so that you will get the most reliable results in a clinical study. 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. Wild. The technology is here. Go for it, Em. Over 3,000 top doctors and stylists recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code GFY to save $15 on your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it is available only to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code G. F-Y. Look at me. Who am I? Say, I'm going to grow your hair. I'm going to make your hair grow out. Do you want healthy hair and beautiful silky locks? Just give me $400 million cash via Western Union. Promo code GFY. <laughs> My dog's a wolf. Sorry, I am actually taking this pill. All right, so I'm still doing stand-up. Um. Mm. Emily heard some of my new banger premises this morning. She's, <laughs> We're workshopping. She's pretty thrilled about it because <laughs> I've already started writing new material. So this will all be new material June 24th in Calgary, Alberta, Prince Islands Park. You guys, if we don't sell this out, David Spade is going to blow his brains out like all of his friends in the 90s. Um, <gasps> oh. I don't even know who I'm referring to, really. I do. I feel like that. Well, one, no one did it on purpose. Was he shot by his own wife? Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of accidental yeah, 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 yeah. June 26th, I'm going to be back in Toronto, Ontario. I just shot a TV show there. I will, I'm very excited to be going back. Uh, it's sold out, but I'm sure some people are going to be wimps and get confused about the masks and right. um, be like, wait, that's not Joan Rivers. But I'll see you at Danforth Music Hall, July 1st, West Hampton Beach, New York. I am I don't, I'm kind of nervous about performing in West Hampton Beach. Is it going to just be like a bunch of billionaire? Like It's going to be like everyone in Tory Burch and uh, like salmon pants. Like who is going to be? I mean, it's July 4th weekend. So that's a big one. Come early. Are there going to be any normal people there that aren't yeah, like from yeah. succession? Yeah. Because the bunch of New Yorkers, like young New Yorkers rent like houses out there and do summer Friday weekends there. And the problem is I, I talk too much shit. So for me, I know what'll happen is I'll be like talking shit and like making fun of someone, some guy's boat shoes and his salmon chinos and these little shirts with little snails on them. You know, like those. You know who's pat- gonna be there? It's gonna be like all remember when we did that a corporate event? We, yes, yes. We did the corporate event yeah. in Vail. It's gonna be that group. Well, it's that, gonna that, be a lot of vests. I'm gonna like roast someone yeah. in a Patagonia vest. Because yeah. I go, oh, Patagonia vest, I have one of those where the same 
same. We're yeah, not yeah, the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's you get to wear that to work. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be like the head of CBS or something. Right. Which is really where I want this podcast to start airing. <laughs> that would really burn a bridge for me. That would break my heart because that is, I believe. That's the end goal. Which, by the way, random aside, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it. I've started writing the pilot for Good For You TV show. Mm-hmm. Good, because Emmy's looking at apartments. <laughs> right now, your name's Emily, but I'm glad you're thinking Emmy. Good, good. <laughs> good. I already know who I'm not thinking. It's actually right I've now. I've been keeping a list my whole career. The open is actually pr- pretty good. Like the open is, um, uh, I, I, the open is, well, there's like a cold open, but then it's me uh, uh, sitting down and like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. Like, um, so I'm going to ask all my guy friends that are already in the podcast space, like, like for advice. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's yeah. just like going to cut to like Bobby Lee being, okay, like, look, here, all yeah. you got to do is just like, you know, be yourself right, and, right. you know, talk about fucking hookers. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. know how to do this. And then I go to like, you know, uh, Rogan or something. He's like, yeah, just like talk about like, yeah. just be yourself. I'm like, have you seen my YouTube <laughs> comments? No one wants that. That's really funny. Just like cutting to all yeah, of the, yeah, yeah. a mashup yeah. of like all the guys giving me advice. Where it's just like, I won't be on page one. But, but it's like, what <laughs> is every man's nightmare? Like listening to a woman complain that he loves. Imagine signing up to listen to a woman complain that you have do not get to fuck at any point. Like, Wait, we don't know that. Are you guys sure this is like a business? <laughs> like, it's very unclear to me. September 8th, Cincinnati, Ohio. I'll be at the Taft Theater. Uh, September 9th, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Miriam Theater. Uh, very excited for that. I'm gonna actually spend some time over there um, and stay for a while and then go to uh, Richmond, Virginia on the 10th at the National Theater. September 24th, I'll be in Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Charlottesville, Virginia. <laughs> I'm going to Charlottesville, Virginia, Paramount, <laughs> the Paramount Theater. Back to the show. I am curious because I'm so, um, I've been in a 12-step program for quite a while, and um, uh, I was reading so much, of, or in listening to your podcast and just the way you're able to talk about, you know, recovery in such an eloquent way. And a lot of the questions that came in for you were just about recovery, and I'm coming from like a little bit of a different angle in terms of emotional sobriety. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to share a couple of things that I've been struggling with this week, one is that I realized yesterday, so I'm an Al-Anon and mm-hmm. ACA. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get stop taking edibles. That was something that was mm-hmm. making my life unmanageable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was not a match for me. I love weed, love smoking weed. The edibles just, I've talked about it before. So strong. They're strong. And then in, you know, program, AA, NA, OA, whatever it is, the way that it really helps me to understand is how it's just, I have an allergy. So when mm-hmm. people go, like, I have an allergy to alcohol. I have three glasses of whiskey, and I cannot. I'll keep drinking until 2 in the morning, and then I'll leave my car, and I'll give up my baby. At the, it's an allergy. So for mm-hmm. me, the edibles, I just think of it as an allergy. Yeah. I just have my—because my brain, I get so impatient. No judgments. Doesn't matter. Doesn't even need to be a story. It's just—I take one, and then it takes, like, 30, 40 minutes to kick in. My brain goes, it, I got a dud. Yeah. My brain just decides, you got a dud. It tells me a story. The yeah. beast comes alive and goes, that one didn't work. In yeah. the in the oven, it distributed weird. <laughs> it's such a specific lie. Yeah. It didn't work. You just wasted that 40 minutes waiting mm-hmm. to get high when you could have been working. You know, my workaholism, of course, then will come up. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, so go have another one. I'll be like, well, what if the other one's a dud? So let me just take three and just... And now yeah. I'm like on the 405 going to 7-Eleven. It's just like, I'm just like firing people that don't work for me. I'm just like calling <laughs> exes. I'm just like, so taking like weird selfies and posting them. Like just, hey guys, like bad. And so 
Um, but uh, in Al-Anon, you know, you know, I don't have to tell you in ACA, the drugs are perfectionism, control, yeah. mothering, martyring, micromanaging, people, mm-hmm. other addicts, um, uh, perfection. I think I already said that. Um, and I realized this past week I had relapsed in an area that was a really big part of one of my primary addictions was you know, in order for people to to get their love, I have to be uh, productive to them or useful to them. Like, I really, mm. I didn't know for a long time how to be in a relationship with someone without um, being useful to them, productive in some way, mm-hmm. like um, rescuing them, fixing them, providing yeah. for them, giving. And I realized in the last couple of days, I relapsed in, like, letting people use me. Mm. Like, I've been getting used And it's this weird thing because my brain turns it into I'm being of service. Like sometimes when your program justifies your relapse. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, how did my fucking brain just turn a sick behavior into? It's like the idea of like, I got to take a Xanax before the NA meeting so that I'm focused. (laughs) I mean, like that's what I did. My brain was like, you're being of service. So loan this person this money or give it. Like I just was like. I'm letting myself be used. And I, I'm just curious, you know, when I look at the pandemic and I think there's a lot of things that I just still haven't like gotten back to the emotional sobriety because the pandemic yeah. was like all the rules are out the fucking window. Yeah. And I started isolating and I mm-hmm. I had every excuse in the world mm-hmm. to do the edibles, to isolate. And then yeah. everyone's got COVID in this. So it's like, oh, I'm going to be of service. I need to bring this person groceries. They have COVID. I'm going to do this for this person. Like, it was just like all bets were off. And I'm kind of trying to get back to being emotionally sober. That's hard. After the pandemic. Emotional sobriety, to me, is the hardest. I'm definitely not that. I want to be, but that's like a, that's on another level of like serene. And they call those like, People who that, that have like the black belt, right. Al-Anons, they can really the graduate program. Yeah, they have like um, their bottle of water and like a holster. You know, yeah, like yeah, a yeah, macrame yeah, yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah. They, they're at the meetings. They're shaking up a salad. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck? They have like a Nutri-Grain bar. You're like, what's happening? And they're so like together. And I and sometimes that's that's you know, another too kind far. Of control. Yeah, that's a whole lot. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's too far when you're like you know, using the Tide pen on your stain and the meat, like that's... So rigid. Yes, exactly. It's so... Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't figure any of that out. Like, I I love the idea of trying to be sober that way, but I have enough trouble just trying not to drink alcohol and do drugs. That, <laughs> that to me is so fascinating because when listening to you talk, I'm like, I mean, it's self-diagnosed. Um I mean, I'm an Al-Anon. I can, you're emotionally sober, trust me. Um, that, this is what we do. We, we're yeah. the judge, jury, executioner. We decide yeah. um, the superiority thing. Of, and I found that too. Like, I think living online for that, you know, year and a half, I found myself getting really judgy and really, um, you know, and another thing that I've been um, relapsing on is gossip. Mm-hmm. That's a big Al-Anon ACA thing is gossip. Yeah. And, it's hard because a lot of people are, you know, the way people behave on social media and everyone's getting, you know, not everyone, but with people getting canceled, I'm finding myself like, you know, like voraciously reading these people that are getting canceled that did something mm. toxic and what do they do and texting about like I just it's like a drug in my vein. And I'm like, I am doing this to avoid looking at myself. I am high on self-righteous indignation. Yeah. I am doing this so that I don't have to look at myself. I am looking at people that are huge pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. to feel superior superior in comparison to someone who's a piece of garbage. Like, if mm-hmm. I need that to feel good about myself, I really need to look at doing more esteemable actions 
to build my self-esteem. And with the pandemic, like I have not been being of service to people. I have not been volunteering. I have not been like outreaching. Like I just am like, I I was just thinking about this the other day and I was listening to you on podcasts and I was like, I want that. Like, I want to think like that. Mm -hmm. It's hard though, too, because it's kind of like, when am I uh, turning these bad things over and when am I in denial? Like, it's like, how do we know? How do we know any sort of the right way to live? It's just like, but there's also a way to live that you're content and you feel good. So it's hard. It's hard to know like what's being of service and what's getting used. That's to me is a very fine line. Or like, trying to get someone to owe you, you know, mm-hmm. or going like, yeah, I'll drive you to the airport and then keeping score and then yeah. going, well, if I drive him to the airport, then he's going to like me or she's going to like me or this, she's going to tell people that I'm a nice person or I'm yeah. doing it out of obligation because I don't have boundaries or self-respect yeah. and I want to subconsciously create chaos. It's you know, hard. It's hard. So that I get the adrenaline of the chaos and mm-hmm. the and then the dopamine that the adrenaline turns into, the internal drug cabinet. of like, oh, I just got my fix because I did yeah. something. And now the story is, well, I drove him to the airport and he didn't even show up at my birthday. And now I yeah. get to be a victim. Yeah. And these are all the ways that we just avoid intimacy and real <sighs> human connection. You know, these are all the ways of like, be, I'm a bean counter. So I definitely am like, okay, you did this, so I get to do this, or I did this, and so you have to do this because of that. And, you know, it's like, that's not the way to have a relationship. Um, I think it's it's just weird. Like, all that stuff, like, that we do in our head, mm-hmm. it's just a way to avoid the truth of who we really are. But the work that I've done, I think, for me, I realize I actually have come out the other side— and I, I think I think I'm actually asexual. <laughs> By the way, I that's so weird that you said that weird, but I, I that is wild because I was talking to someone the other day who I believe was a little bit transphobic, and um, someone in my life who just was not, you know, I'm I'm trying to find patience, a family member who's you know not who was like I don't get the they them thing or whatever, and I was trying to just patiently explain LGBTQIA and saying Mm -hmm. asexual is a part of this too because, and sorry to be circuitous about this, but I'm really um, pissed uh, these days about whatever this thing going on about drag queens and kids. And Mm. it's just, it makes me so fucking mad because, um, you know, I was raised, uh, my mom worked in a department store, you know, my whole life. And I was basically raised by gay men and gay couples, mm, you know. They mm-hmm. worked in the Neiman Marcus. They worked in Bloomingdale's. They did the yeah. windows. They came over, did our Christmas trees. And, like, like I don't, when I think gay men, are, I don't think about sex. Like, I just, it doesn't, mm. like, why are you doing, why did you bring that into it? Like, it's just so, you know, the gay men that raised me and that I spent all my holidays with and all my after school days with, like they were my respite from feeling sexualized. Like they, it was the straight men that were creepy with me, you know? So to me, and then I don't know, just in jest, it's like, if you know drag queens, you know, the last, have you seen a drag? It's so, it's not, she has on four pairs of spanks. She's not going to fuck your kid. It's not it would take 40 little. minutes to get all that shit off. She's not going to let your no. shitty kid touch the wig. Like, no. there's no sex happening. Not at all. <laughs> there's it's nine so, levels of yeah. cock and grout and, like, makeup. And I can't even hug a drag queen. They won't let me within five feet of that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's also just drives me nuts. But, and I was explaining the asexual thing. And I was, like, thinking about it. I was, like, I go through very asexual um periods, mm-hmm. even when I'm in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's so interesting. Cause I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, 
I usually, because we've talked about, I, I went to uh, a bunch of SLA meetings and um, the sexual anorexia that um, th- when they shared about that, I was like, I know what that is. Like, yeah. I've done that or I've done a parasocial obsession uh, or a relationship with someone that doesn't know we're in a relationship just to be in something but not have to, mm-hmm. you know, do anything mm-hmm. sexual because sex just brings up so much for me. It's yeah. so tiring to have to. It's exhausting. But it's also like, I think that I've been super And I'm sexual. never on top. Still exhausting. <laughs> it's so, oddly. I know. It's hard. But I think it's like, I've been so sexual with so many different people. And then now I'm like, out of that, and I think, oh, I actually really like it. Like, I was talking to this woman yesterday for a long time, and I realized, oh, we had sex a bunch of times. Like, I was like, oh, I, I, that's why she wants to talk. We fucked a bunch of times, and I totally forgot. I totally forgot. Well, that's what, that's how I know her. And you don't, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't recognize you <laughs> face to face. I was like, where are we talking? Like, oh, she turned around and you're like, shit. oh. Uh, that's right, I forgot. But it's like, it just makes such a little impression on me, like all sex, that I'm like, I think it's just an act of trying to pretend that I'm somehow normal by doing all of the sex. I want to ask you about, um, well, I've, I, I want to ask you questions from the internet because a lot of people have a lot of questions for you. Um, but do you, how are you on hobbies? Like, you know, I think people in recovery are specifically like really good at understanding this and it sounds odd, but I have a really hard time doing anything and not turning it into a business. Which is <laughs> which is a big AC. <laughs> like it's a big like comics. The fact that we had to monetize our conversations, <laughs> yeah, is yeah. so fucked. And I do think a really big reason a lot of comedians are going a little nuts right now is that a lot of what at least kept me sane and feeling balanced and seen by, you know, equals and people that understand what we do was having these off the record conversations in the hallway with Mm -hmm. fellow comics. But now when you see a comedian in the hallway, it's like, should we say, let's let's podcast. Like that you can't just have an off the record conversation anymore. So now we're monetizing our conversations (laughs) for public consumption, which is great. Like people love it, but I find myself not attuning to comedians and hanging out with comedians as much not on camera. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm curious. uh, I am getting, because of you, those plants, the carnivorous plants. So great. I'm obsessed. It's so great. Is that, is, and I recently got very into plants and it's so rewarding to fucking plant something. It's so rewarding. It's, it's to me really incredible to also, uh, like play with all the different microclimates we have in California and all the ones that you can have in your home. It's really special. Um, So I have a cactus garden. I have a rainforest garden. I have carnivorous plant garden. I have fruit garden, vegetable garden. It's so fun. Why is it? And I'm the first person that's like, oh, gardening. Like, oh, you're that guy. Like, we get it. Like, and, um, but there's something, I think that the the tour I did this year was just so wild. There's something about just like standing in the dirt. And I, re- being from, you know, spending so much time in Virginia, West Virginia, like standing in the dirt. I know there's these grounding and there's all these like, you know, I don't know the exact, uh, I can't like cite a study, but like the electricity from the earth that mm-hmm. you, because when we're only on pavement all the time, we're not getting the electricity from the earth right. we're designed to have. And, you know, um, uh, I remember my aunts that are in Virginia that I lived with for a long time. 
they would always say, if you're sick, get on a horse. And that's what Native mm. Americans used to do when you were sick because they sort of inherently understood that the electricity from the ground, you mm. know, uh, is what kept you healthy. And then horses are more conductive. So if you sit on a horse, that's what oh. you need to do to get better, to like restore the balance of your body. That's beautiful. You know, yeah. So it's just like, it's such a basic thing, but just being barefoot in the dirt, it's I find so myself good. being like, so much less sick, having so much more energy. Even if, if it's a placebo effect, placebo effect is an effect. It's effect. It's a, it's an effect, but it's also it keeps you aware that you're not the only living thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> I beg your pardon. And it's been a pleasure interviewing Margaret Cho, everyone. I'm sorry that she's queuing on all right and is lying. Fake news. <laughs> Fake news. But I, I'm like, it's so also, reminded that I'm not the only living thing. Like, that's why I love like, it. It's like basic reparenting. And a big part of, mm. you know, program is reparenting yourself, right? And, yeah. and not uh, parenting yourself the way your parents did. Not that they did anything wrong. They did the best they could with the tools they had. Fine. They were busy. They were in a rush. We forgive others not because they deserve forgiveness, but because we deserve peace. Fine. Mm-hmm. But when I'm like taking care of a plant, I'm like, what if I gave myself this much water every day. <laughs> like I'm running around trying to make sure it doesn't die and like put it in the sun and like make sure. And I'm like, what if I took half as good care of myself, like mm. it's just going like, oh, I can treat myself because we're fucking plants, right? So it's yeah. like, why wouldn't I give myself water? Why wouldn't I go in the sun every now and then for some vitamin D? Like it's yeah. just like a weird little um, therapeutic like practice. It's so therapeutic. And it's also taught me not to be afraid of bugs. I'm jumping around, I know. Do you have any hot tips on how to combat shame? The it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> but it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for three ninety nine. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. I literally wrote these questions last think, night, um, and I am learning a lot about myself. <laughs> well, that uh, I think it's really about, like, everybody's really experienced it. Like, we've all experienced the, the frailty of being human. And so there isn't really shame or cringing because we've all been there. So everybody yeah. understands this. Shame is really the sort of perception of self through the eyes of somebody else that you perceive what they were thinking, not what you know. But in it's fact, like they're just the thinking about themselves and how much they hate themselves. Yeah, and how much shame they have for themselves. Yeah. So I think shame is really— And I if mean, they're thinking about you and how much they hate you, they should be ashamed. Yeah, it's not It's not valid. Well, yeah. it's a, that's another um, thing about, like, program they say uh, other people's— uh, whatever the people think of you is none of your business. Literally. And that's actually, uh, it's, it can be a thought-terminating cliche, which is another part of, you know, like sometimes in program, they're like, uh, it works if you work it. Those and you're ki- worth it. Yeah, those are kind of thought-terminating cliches that make you not stop thinking and just trust. <gasps> Got it. Which can be, um, to me, sometimes I have a problem with that. Like those thought-limiting things or thought-stopping things. Like a platitude that's kind of like, just to just don't think about it. It's too simple. Okay, yeah. Like like in Al-Anon, it's interesting because I think that um, you know, and going back and forth between a lot of different programs and seeing the different approaches. Whereas like you know, uh, sometimes in AA, it's like care more about other people mm-hmm. and the consequences. And whereas 
Al-Anon is a lot of times care less about yeah. these people. You know what I mean? And so Al-Anon, a big uh, added or, uh, you know, aphorism, whatever, saying is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's such, I always thought, I was like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? Like everything matters. Yeah. Everyone's opinion of me, everything I do, everything. I'm Whereas I think a lot of times in other programs, like it does matter. Think about this more. Use your head. Mm-hmm. Walk that, you know, so it, it's interesting because as someone like over thinky thinky, sometimes like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It The simple ones are sometimes what helps me stop the loop. Yeah. But it's not enough for my brain. It's not enough yeah. evidence. To, yeah. It's a little bit feels dismissive. That's what, yeah, that's what bothers me sometimes about those like sayings is that it is like, it just stops the thought. Yeah. It's like, no, I would love to stop doing that. <laughs> I would, yeah. No shit. Like, yeah. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really interesting because, yeah, I've been thinking about shame more because, you know, it's uh, I read that book. So you've been publicly shamed. Oh, John Ronson. Yes. Yeah. He's and great. I guess I'm realizing that I I think I used to kind of get off on other people's, um, you know, the shot in Freud of someone mm-hmm. getting canceled or their primordial whatever tribal instinct of like that we all go like, you know, we get serotonin and endorphins from seeing someone else get shamed because mm-hmm. we're learning, okay, don't do that. Like in the sort of town square of it all, like Twitter right. turning into the new town square and people just sort of stoning people when they, you know, a lot of it's necessary, but mm-hmm. whatever. And watching people get embarrassed and sort of like rubbernecking of it. And I think for some reason in the, you know, maybe because I'm getting back to being emotionally sober um, and doing that work, there was someone that got sort of allegations this past weekend and I was just like sick to my stomach about it. And I was like, okay, I don't want, that's a good sign that I don't want someone else to, or I'm not getting any kind of sick pleasure out of someone Mm. else being publicly shamed. Yeah. And it's just such an interesting new, like you can get shame wherever you want these days. It's almost Mm -hmm. like, it's almost like everyone's a Coke dealer. Like, Mm -hmm. and you're sober. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can go online, you could find a comment, you can find a response, you can, f- yeah. you can Google yourself, like you can do the shame cutting to yourself yeah. whenever you want. Yeah. And there's no reason to. It's like just, it, it's it's so self-destructive and I don't, yeah. I, I try to be above shame. I feel like I try to be uh, avoidant of it because it just doesn't do me any favors. It doesn't help me at all. Hey, bucko. Me again. <laughs> Finding everything you need is easy on Thrive Market because you can filter by 90 plus values and lifestyles to find what works for you. That sentence didn't come naturally to me, but I do want you to know in the way I would explain it Mm -hmm. is that eating healthy is a nightmare. We're all dying. Everybody's sick. You have to pull your shit together Mm -hmm. and you can only only eat healthy stuff, but most people don't have time to read the uh, back of every cereal box and every oat bucket Mm -hmm. and you know no one has time to read all the hieroglyphics Mm -hmm. in the back of everything to make sure that there's no red number five or bio day by as a lime green Mm -hmm. you know so what thrive market does is they carefully vet each and every item so that you can trust that if they sell it it's going to be the highest quality available you don't have to worry about it you're not going to get home and get hoodwinked and be like wait a second this is corn syrup this is made out (laughs) of Like, that's so funny to me because I feel like what we thought was healthy 30 years ago, like corn syrup, that sounds so healthy. Yeah, it's made from corn. Yeah, what do you mean? It's a vegetable. <laughs> like, it's so weird that's to think. That's my favorite. I put it on my pancakes. It's just weird to think how unhealthy, like, we. Ju- I need someone else to do the work for me because you know what? How mm-hmm. This is who I am. I can't keep up. Right. And I don't want to go to 10 different places. Mm-mm. Trader Joe's is like the pregame to grocery shopping because you go to Trader Joe's and then, then you well, go to the I grocery gotta, store to get what you need. Yes. And then I, I got to go to three grocery stores. I don't yeah. I don't have time for that. Yeah. Look at me. Okay. Do I look like I have time for that? Where do you get off grocery stores? 
Stop by what you eat and what matters most to you. With over 5,000 food, home, and beauty products, finding what you need is easy on Thrive Market. It's what we call a no-brainer. I came up with that myself. That's amazing. Join Thrive Market today and get $80,000 in free groceries. Join Thrive Market today and get $80 in free groceries. That's T-H. I just said that. You said $80,000. <laughs> Join Thrive Market today and get $80. <laughs> oh, boy. Join Thrive Market today and get $80 in free groceries. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash G-F-Y to get $80 in free groceries. That's thrivemarket.com slash G-F-Y thrivemarket.com slash gfy again that will get you eighty dollars off not eighty thousand <laughs> oh, i just said that <laughs> no one is more enthusiastic about wine than emily the way that you store wine is everything about it right and what we've, we've seen that amber heard and johnny depp mm-hmm. not so good at storing wine no because it's midair had they had a fridge from Wine Enthusiast, right. which is the best destination for the wine lifestyle, offering an incredible selection of wine accessories, glassware, wine storage, and more. And we, Whitney just got a wine fridge from Wine Enthusiast. This is us opening it. We were very excited. <laughs> you guys, this is the hardest I've ever seen Emily try to get something open and the fastest. I've never, I have never seen Emily do manual labor in my life. I get a paper cut. <laughs> and guess why she's so eager beaver to get in there. This is, is it a giant Sibian with a dildo attached? No. Is it the brand new real botic sex man that would marry her and never talk back and say whatever lines she programmed? Nope. That's on back order. It is a wine fridge. <laughs> Give it to us, Farah. Boy, we got something for you. That is fancy. Yeah, look at the... Yeah, that is Your fancy. hair extensions, really. Uh, uh, all my hair is... Mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that is... That's a beaut. That's a real that beaut. That is a beaut. It is so beautiful. It made me feel like I was in Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. It's like if Ex Machina robot made a wine fridge and it's like mirrored on the outside. It's very sleek and very sensual Mm -hmm. and it fits perfectly. I I think I know where I'm going to put it, Mm -hmm. but it's like, just put it right by me. It's my, no, it, then it'll always be empty. It is perfectly compact and it's it's saving me so much space in other places where I was like jamming yeah, wine yeah, into sleek. random yeah. holes it, in my body. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I, otherwise, I just had to store the wine in my belly. I was like, I don't know where to put all this wine. I guess I need, just need to store it in my belly. And to cool it, I mean, damn it. <laughs> to warm it up, I was sitting on it. Visit wine. Would that warm it up? <laughs> yeah. It's like a chicken. Like sits on eggs. <laughs> Visit WineEnthusiast.com or text the code GFY to 511511. From now until July 4th, don't miss Wine Enthusiast July 4th Wine Cellar and Furniture Sale. Find big savings on wine storage and furniture. Text GFY to 511511 to see for yourself. Text GFY to 511511 today. Certain exclusions may apply. You may receive up to one additional text. Text fees may apply. Text stop to opt out. Back to the show. Let me ask you, I, I know everybody asks, uh, talks about this, but I think I maybe have a little bit of a different point of view about, it's so funny because I'm not, I'm not trying to be shitty to anyone, but you know, wherever I have been going recently, people who aren't comics are like, God, it is 
must be so hard to be a comedian right now. Like you are a hero. Like it is, how do you do it? It's like, there's three words we're not allowed to say. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden people are like, how do you do it? I'm like, it's pretty easy to not say the N word. Like I'm not, this doesn't seem that hard for me, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think there's this, um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm a little bit like psyched about there being some eggshells on the ground again. I'm kind of yeah. not the being hit in the face thing. I'd, I'd rather not be attacked on stage. Um, but this whole, like three years ago, nothing was taboo. Mm-hmm. Sex. Like there was a P tape. Like our president had a, maybe a P tape. Like mm-hmm. nothing. It was like impossible to shock audiences. Like yeah. now it's like, I feel like it's kind of nice that there's danger in comedy again. Well, it makes you have to be skillful. You know, and that's what I think it's requiring of comics is to be really skillful and nuanced and think about what they're saying and how it will be perceived in the future of that joke. We never like we never thought beyond the immediate like payoff. But now we're thinking in the long term, which I think is productive. And like if you're and it's also like I am I get excited about the challenge to not go for the low hanging fruit or be cheap. It's like, you know, or just like lean on a word to shock someone. But it's like, yeah, if you're going to do a rape joke, it better be the best rape joke. You know, yeah. what I, you know what I mean? It better be smarter than it is, mm-hmm. you know, demeaning or whatever. Yeah, it can't just be shocking because it is just shock value. There's got to be a lot more to it. And then I think so that it makes it just more valuable. I think it's better. I was on, uh, I was at the comedy store, whatever, it's like, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago. And there was a comedian mm-hmm. and he was doing a bit about fat chicks mm-hmm. and fat chicks and fat chicks. And it just wasn't doing well. No one was trying to cancel it. Like, it just, no one was laughing. It Uh wasn't like people were, like, trying to not laugh, and it was so funny, and they were trying. It just wasn't funny. Yeah. And uh, 10 years ago, probably was. Five years ago, probably, people would have laughed at it. And um, a woman raised her hand and went, can you stop? (laughs) (laughs) And it was such a, like, crazy moment. Uh But it was just like, this is, comedy's a democracy. Like, we don't get to say, like, fuck you for, I just see a lot of comedians being like, that's funny and like, you're fucking sensitive and you're a libtard. It's like, comedy is involuntary laughing. Like, I don't yeah. think anyone's holding back a laugh and then yeah. being like, we don't like this. It's just like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there's a little bit of uh, comedians being like King Baby about going, um, you know, well, it's free speech, First Amendment. It's like, okay, so you're allowed to say whatever you want, but someone's not allowed to say they don't like your comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you're allowed to have free speech, but the audience isn't. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so ridiculous. We're such big babies. Yeah, I mean, but it's also like, they're just, it, I, I don't know. I think audiences are also more sophisticated now and they want more. And because there's access to so much comedy. Yeah, which is great. It used to be like, whoever's in town, you're going to go see them. Or you would go see somebody just to, just go to the club just to laugh and not go to see a particular artist because you like them. Yeah, like I think it's cool that people, because I mean, I think that I definitely would feel like, oh God, the dumbest stuff works. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool now that the smartest stuff works. Yeah, I love that. And we get to play at the top of our intelligence. It is. It's really good. Um, okay, I'm going to, a couple questions from the internet because people are very excited about you. Um, what's still on your to-do list? What a oh, great question. Um, I want to go to... Um, I want to go and look at, there's a, a a couple of really big carnivorous plants, like in Southeast Asia, that I would like to go up and hike to. So that, that's kind of like... Be my, careful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's ones that are like totally, um, they look like a toilet, and then uh, sometimes like rodents will shit in there, and then uh, the, but they, well, they, there's like a laxative in their lid, and then um, the rodents will lick the lid and then shit 
in the flower and that's the flower's food. I want to see that plant. Is it called the Nepenthes? Yeah, the Nepenthes. With stems reaching up to nearly five feet and pitchers that grow to roughly a foot in diameter. It's the world's largest carnivorous plant. Endemic to Borno, Nepenthes. They're Borneo, yeah. They're in Borneo. Bor Borneo, I said that wrong. Enormous. That's wild. And that's in, I'm sorry, did you say Peru? It's, it's in Southeast Asia. They have oh, them yeah. in South America. They have them all over the world, I think. But like, mostly they're God, Southeast Asia. There's a Asia. squirrel on one of them. Yeah, they sit, they look like a toilet and they'll sit on it. That is wild. It's so cute. Yeah, it's so cute. They that just sit on crazy. it. That is crazy. I've never seen anything like that. That is incredible. So I want to see those plants. I also want to see the big plants that have like a, I'm growing one, but it'll take about 10 years to bloom. I think it's called the Titus Arum. And it's a, it only has like one flower in a 10-year span, and it smells like rotting uh, rotting flesh. <gasps> it's like the stinking corpse flower. Oh, yeah. So I have one, but it's it's very— What does uh, rotting flesh smell like? Small. I hear it's very, like, putrid and, like, shocking. Um, It smells like—I don't know. I've, I've worked—I used to work with cadavers and— um, Where? At nursing school. So I went to nursing school very briefly uh, when I was starting in comedy. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe be a nurse. and um, But they smelled like formaldehyde a lot. So they didn't get like a fresh rotting corpse. I never actually smelled like rotting corpses, but I've smelled decaying, not decaying, but a preserved like in formaldehyde corpses. Um, do you know about mung diving? No, what's that? <laughs> Katya uh, taught me about this on the podcast last week. It's like it's like one of those like Cleveland steamer mm. like things where you find a corpse that has been dead for three or four days, mm -hmm. right? And it gets bloated. Mm -hmm. I guess when it's not treated with formaldehyde, mm -hmm. and you affix your mouth onto one of the holes, mm -hmm. in, uh, and then someone else jumps on it. Oh, so the <laughs> so the fluid explodes out and it's so um toxic it's like there's like an ammonia and it makes you high oh well. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's so katya it's so katya that's great the way she describes it it makes it sound like it's a very real thing You're i like, love oh, it hey. she's like it has to be uh uh about four days old that's when you know it's getting juicy <laughs> i love katya. and you affix your mouth that's onto great. it's yes. so ridiculous that's great okay someone said hello from darren okay that's really useful mm -hmm. thank you so much i appreciate it i know everyone wants us to talk about recovery we did that um ooh, what that mouth do someone asked oh. you guys can you pull it fucking together please favorite actor you work with Patty Duke. Ooh. She was great. She told me that um, she was supposed to be, at, she had had a fight with Sharon Tate. Um, she was in an argument because they were actually um, renting from, they had gotten the house from, it's Terry Meltzer's house, but they, they had, her and John Aston had like some arg argument with Sharon Tate about the house and they were in a fight, but then Patty Duke was going to go over there the night that they were murdered by the Manson family, but then she didn't go because she had a cold and she didn't want to get Sharon sick because Sharon was so pregnant. And um, so Patty Duke, she, she's also a great actress, but uh, she was talking about how, um, and I, I was like, oh my God, we have to do a screening of Valley of the Dolls and you have to tell that story. And she's like, oh, nobody's going to come to a screening. We're like, what? you're so amazing. But I thought that was so fascinating that she was like yeah i was supposed to be there so couple more best advice for someone in their 20s who hates their body well uh you gotta figure out how to love it because this is it 
This is our body. Your container. This is is what we get, you know? And this is like, find a way to love it. You know, you have to just do it because time goes by real fast and you're going to be 60 in that body. Hopefully, you know, if you're lucky, you get to be 60 in that body. So, And guess what? I know this is a trite thing to say. Just get older. Yeah. (laughs) It just, I don't, it's time takes time. And... You know, it is maybe, you know, somewhat ironic or whatever that ostensibly when your body is the closest to the socially constructed idea of beauty, that's when you hate it the most. Whatever, who cares? But it will get, there are some things that it's like the wisdom you only get with age and the you just have to get older. Jealousy, mm-hmm. same thing. I was like, like fraught with jealousy. And then I just got older and it just started going away. Yeah. I was just like, if I'm jealous, I just, I, my body's just telling me not to be with you or I'm projecting because I'm doing something shady. Like, yeah. I, it's like there's certain things that just sort of dissipate with age. Like, I've done a lot of work, but it's also just kind of like, I don't know, the older you get, you know, like after I froze my eggs, I was like, my body is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what, like, I just did like a magic trick. Like, yeah. you start to just like value different things. So a lot of times with stuff like that, I'm like, just give it a couple years. Yeah. Just like your self-obsession is just, you know, Mm -hmm. and also do things outside, like do things that make you appreciate your body. That also helped me. I I started training with like a trainer. You remember that like to get stronger instead Mm -hmm. of thinner. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, my dog, I have a very big dog who got an injury and I had to carry, he was like a hundred pounds. I had to carry him into the car to get him to the hospital in time. And I remember being like, I do not care about being skinny. I do not give a shit if my thighs touch. I do not give a shit if I have wrinkles. Like I need to nurture my body and train my body so that I can carry an animal if they're a hundred pound animal. So important. Yeah. So it's like stretching and like taking care of my body so that I'm able to be a warrior if I need to. Yeah. And, And changing going like, I'm not you know, making my body a fuck toy. Like, well, I'm not working yeah, it, out to be a fuck toy yeah. for some weirdo who's confused <laughs> about his sexuality. Because if you're into my thighs not touching, you need to it's work weird. it out. Yeah, it's weird. Work it out. Mm-hmm. Go to the Scientology Center. <laughs> figure, out your, figure out your shit. Last one. How do you deal with resentment? Um, I think it's really, like, what is, just going into, like, what is it that, like, I'm resentful of? Mm-hmm. And trying to figure out, like, what's the, where does that come from? And, like, what, if I feel it really deeply, then it means it has nothing to do with what the resentment is. It has to do with old wounds that I'm covering up, that I'm projecting onto. Interesting. Yeah, resentment, dude. It's like, this is one of those sort of trite things, but um, it always helps me to remember resentment is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah. It's like the other person's not getting punished by this. No. I'm just getting cancer. Yeah. And there's it's no, like, yeah, there's no benefit. No one wins. Mm-hmm. It's like a crystallizing of a resentment and forgiving the person helps me mm-hmm. um, or apologizing to the person. Because a lot of times when I resent someone, it's like I wasn't clear, I wasn't, I was vague, or my expectations mm-hmm. were too high, and I'm just setting myself up to feel like shit. Yeah. Because that's my comfort zone. Yeah. And they know nothing about what's going no. on. No. <laughs> I'm using them mm-hmm. to get my hit of resentment. Right. They have no idea. And if they knew I was resentful, they'd be horrified. Yeah. You know, it's just my own little masturbatory thing. Okay, last, last thing, because uh, we asked this to everyone, um, and you're one of the people I want to hear from the most about it, is like any— um, uh, red flags in people, in partners. <laughs> when they call women female. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> Have I said that before? Yeah. That is. I've heard you say that and I'm like, oh, that's so right. Yeah. So I, I think that with this female. This, 
He's female, and I'm like, fucking yuck, dude. <laughs> yuck. I hate that so much. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Oh, that's such a gross one. It's so. Or, by the way, call. I oh, My ex used to fight about this all the time. He would call people that he worked with, women, like this young woman in my office. Like, we just hired this young woman. I'm like, why do you just say woman? Mm-hmm. Well, she's like 22, and you're like, but. Stop. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need young woman as a phrase at all. Mm-hmm. Just say girl or woman. Yeah. Because I also don't like it when they say this young lady and she's like 14. You're like, well, that's a girl. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like this young woman and she's like 25. I'm like, so if she's 30, she's a what? Like, what is yeah, your. What is, it's t- weird. Like, you're doing math in your head on mm-hmm. someone's age, a woman's age that you're not fucking. And it's just weird. It's weird. In mm-hmm. a professional environment. It's such a small thing. But it says, speaks volumes. Yeah. Sort, like you just don't. Like need, and very, I know that your dad probably said that. And you probably still yeah. say secretary and stewardess or whatever. It's fine. But like, it's a small thing that he did not understand why yeah. it drove me so crazy. But it's, it's upsetting. I was, it's I'm not jealous weird. of her. I don't care. But no, it's you just don't need a to, view. You don't need to put young in front of no anything. It's it's a weird it's a weird thing. And you yeah. don't need to call a teenager a young lady to make her more mature. Yeah, it's weird. That it's interesting because I was reading this thing about like I'm still was trying to wrap my head around like grooming and what's it in like and I was like that I I, I I was able to if I can't get like a working definition of something I get my brain gets scrambled and I was like there's this allegation of this this person grooming someone and I was like what does that mean exactly like don't you just try to fuck them or flirt isn't it just called flirting isn't it called just being a predator and I was like oh I I then I it's what I saw and what how I'm able to explain it is because when we say sexual harassment all our brains go to a million different things like we use these big umbrella terms because we don't want to get specific Mm -hmm. you know and uh like sexual assault, like some people think grabbing an ass and some people think, like, we don't want to have to say, right, what it is. But um, grooming, it's like this guy was trying to make this young girl feel more mature mm-hmm. so that she felt old enough to, like, it's a way of, like, trying to make someone feel, like, special and mature enough mm-hmm. to eventually be in a sexual relationship. So it's like, it was very, like, well, because you're so smart and you're, you're you have such right. an old soul, and you it's yeah that creepy shit. Well, it's normalizing the abnormal, but gradually enough that you don't notice until it's too late, and making it seem like you're the same age mm-hmm. when you're not. Yeah, and and all those you're so mature, you're so mm-hmm. precocious, you're so ahead of your time, you're so smart, and it's like convincing yourself, gaslighting yourself that this is appropriate when it's mm-hmm. not, and it's gaslighting the other person into saying like this is. You're so mature that you're not like other girls. Yeah. You're not yeah. like other boys. Like you should, you're light years ahead of them. You're an old mm-hmm. soul. Like that shit. Yeah, and I was just so like, I was like, I got it now. Cause I didn't really understand. I, I couldn't really articulate grooming before. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, why would you wait a year to fuck some? Like mm-hmm. I, that didn't, it just didn't compute to me yeah. how fucked up that was. Red flag, grooming. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> red flag is grooming. Um, do I have any new ones? I feel like I, I got a couple new ones maybe this weekend. Someone that has the um the a sticker on their hat still. Okay. <laughs> Got it. I know that's like in style, but you're making because everyone's going, uh, oh, the sticker's on like, oh, yeah. you forgot to take, and then you have to go, well, it's on purpose. And like we're both yeah. now yeah. I have to leave. <laughs> do you, don't like, do you know what I mean? Like just yeah. don't do that. Um I feel like I I thought of some good ones this weekend. Someone with um like, uh, I love these women, but quotes on their email sign-off from, like, Marilyn Monroe mm. or 
Audrey Hepburn or but which are always falsely attributed always. like uh, a, a you know um what is it well behaved women are never remember right. never uh, make, really history. make history uh-huh. that was never said by any of those people <laughs> wasn't well, like May West I mean if anything I feel like it was May West yeah probably but it was like that it's always attributed to like Marilyn Monroe or somebody like that Marilyn Monroe was like bitch I was a drunk I didn't say any yeah. of this shit <laughs> it's just a weird one but yeah I hate I I don't like email sign-offs in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also don't like it because if we're, you you need to remember your own email sign-off, especially when you're being an idiot. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, per my last email, I've already sent this. And then it's like, treat everyone with kindness, Oscar Wilde. And you're like, did you not (laughs) see how you, why don't you read your own fucking quote, you weirdo? It's so weird. Yeah, like that. There's one like, um, there's someone I work with and it's um, a Charles Bukowski quote and he's like a producer it's like I'm like do you not know <laughs> who Charles Bukowski is? do you know who he is like there's a, literally a video on YouTube of him kicking a girl off of a couch like have you read any of his books like it's just a <laughs> wild thing to so put in funny. an email yeah do you have a favorite quote I don't know if it's a quote it's just like a sort of that Buddhist idea that uh, you know pain is inevitable but suffering is optional <sighs> Which I think is like, that's sort of kind of the way that I like to live. You know, it's like, we're going to feel pain, but then you don't, you have a choice of whether you want to suffer from it or not. Wow. That's a good one. Yeah. That's just kind of my the life. The suffering gets me so much attention. The suffering is also. Oh, it gets me so many likes. It's, it's also fun to do, but it's also like, you don't have to. No. <laughs> this is a choice. And then, but also being able to go like, oh, like I can stop at any moment. Yeah. And it's never too late to stop. I don't have to like, just because I got in this boat and I'm going down the river, I can just like stop. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's so, in, that is such a good one. One that just came to mind for me. And I don't know if I totally believe this, but I like it um, for me and my, like, just since the theme a little bit today, I feel like it's emotional sobriety. Like the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Mm. It's just a, like for me, sometimes I have trouble like finishing something and I'll start like five projects or I'll do five things and I won't finish them. And even if it's like brushing my teeth and not putting the cap on the toothpaste, it's like, let me just slow the fuck down. And because this is where the rubber hits the road with my self-esteem. I never fucking finish anything. I never get anything done. I'm a fucking slob. I'm a fucking mess. I can never find anything. That all comes from that five seconds of put the glass back in the cupboard Mm because you're going to, instead of in some random fucking place, and then you're, things are a mess, and and then I'm creating future chaos for Mm -hmm. myself. And, like, that is, like, the way you do anything. The way that I punctuate an email is the same as the way that I, in a relationship, I commute, whatever. Like, and that's where I get integrity. That's, like, where integrity comes in. Mm. Like, clean up after, like, simple stuff like that. Yeah. I love that. Um... Can we talk about your tour dates real quick? Yes. And everything you're doing? I'm just doing shows. I'm going to Kansas City tomorrow. Ooh, nice. And then Portland after that. Oh, fun. And then uh, Spokane and Tacoma. I love that Spokane. I love Spokane. Yeah. Jamestown, New York. What's that? That's the, um, oh, that's Kelly uh, Kelly Carlin's uh, museum. Oh, right. I've the, the I have, I, Yeah, I haven't been there. Yeah, so I'm going there. And then, oh, amazing. Um, D.C., Raleigh. Uh, Lutherville, Timonium, Baltimore. Timonium is like Baltimore, basically, right? Yeah. Fort Wayne, Louisville. Yeah. So that's um in October. So yeah, yeah. I'm going back on the road, which is great. We're back. We're back. So wild. It's nice. So surreal. Yeah. It's time. Everyone, I feel like, is so excited to be, like, doing live comedy is so, 
electric right now. It is. And it's just like, we just appreciate it so much. I think so, so too. I think I so. That. Yeah, there's been a, I was listening to talk about this on something. I I definitely needed a, uh, uh, submiss it a little bit to come mm-hmm. back going, oh, like, instead of hate fucking it, I needed yeah. a little like. It's so fun. Excitement. It's really to, like, fun. Um, what is it? I was getting spoiled. What is it when you start um, taking for granted something? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I started taking it for granted. And I think people are so excited. Mm-hmm. It's a good antidote to everything on the internet. It is. In person, people want jokes. They understand the complex- complex- complexities of jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where I start stuttering. This is the part of the podcast where I start getting palsy. Um, it's just like so electric right now. Yeah. Well, I want to see you. Yeah. Um, I end these super awkwardly. Mm-hmm. I love you guys. Thank you. Don't ride elephants. The legend that is Margaret Cho. The it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> but it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.